Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons, so if you would like to support us, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't afford monetary donations, we are also at facebook.com slash ttopod. If you would share us around and give us five-star ratings on whatever podcast you're into, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. If living in the 80s taught me anything, if it's bad, it must be Satan. Take it away, script bitch. This is a fucking weird way to start the show. This is what happens well, I th- when we Don know gave you that a you beautiful the... intro, and then he just looked at me after he clicked the button. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, damn! He fucking clicked the button and was like, "All right, time to get started. Take it away, script bitch." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the stinger. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to. Two- <laughs> Welcome to Two Towns Over Satanic Sundays. Uh, we are continuing with the Don Takes a Break from Reality for a little while. And uh, this week we got Ruben taking over the, the controls. Get me. Yeah. Yeah, um, this one's going to be kind of a precursor to uh, the McMartin preschool story. Yeah. That we're going to be doing. Josh needs oh, to Oh, I get literally busy on. touch on it in one sentence. There's a lot to go over for this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of crazy, actually. We're talking today about the 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 fire of the satanic panic started in the 70s, right? But this book came out in 1980 and it poured gasoline all over everything. Yeah. Um this is Michelle remembers. This is the story of how that book became the satanic panic. Okay, but first I'm Daddy Don Oh, oh man! It's that sounds really close to Daddy Dom, which makes it worse. Whatever. I'm Daddy Dom <laughs> because family means everything. Fuck off! <laughs> that reminds me. I don't know if you saw. That. Oh, go ahead and say. Who you. I'm Josh, aka the repressed memory of that time you peed yourself in second grade. <laughs> that's pretty good thanks there was a I, I shared a video i don't know if you guys saw it um michelle rodriguez was uh on the like the red carpet doing an interview for um uh fast and the furious 10 or fast x whatever the fuck and yeah, she sure. was saying she's like can we stop with the marvel movies i mean how many where are you gonna go what are you gonna do and one of the guys, Charlie Classic, he's laughing and he goes, you guys sent Ludacris into space in a PT cruiser. <laughs> I, have, I did see that. Shit. I was like, you literally were in a movie about Pocahontas with a floating rocks. What the fuck? <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to it. Oh, now, now Ruben can start. Okay. 
So <laughs> you're so used to tr- being the person that gets it back on track yeah. that you're like, all right, guys, and you started looking at your laptop like, oh wait, this has nothing to do with it's me. not yeah. me. Um, so I also titled my work, <laughs> and it's called "How Michelle Remembers Sparked the Satanic Panic" or "How No One Is a Good Guy." Um, so Michelle Remembers by Michelle Smith and Lawrence Pazder, MD, was published in 1980 as a nonfiction book. When so it was re- published 1980, probably written a couple of years before. Probably being written, we'll get into it, but okay. uh, it was probably written at, in the f- couple of years before that, yes. Sure. Um, when it was released, people were skeptical already, and as time passed, no evidence came to light that would confirm any of the outrageous stories in the book. This didn't stop this little book from sparking the flame of the satanic panic for a little over a decade. So the the repercussions of this book lasted... Until I was a teenager, and I was born in '92. Yeah, so this was like into the into the late '90s. Yeah, and early 2000s. <clears throat> so before we start the story of Michelle Smith and Dr. Lawrence Pazder, I want to take a moment to talk about how someone who is a victim of another person can be made to victimize others, or in other words, hurt people, hurt people. Um, Michelle Smith was a woman who was suffering from medical complications due to a miscarriage and was in the hospital in need of help due to both the physical and emotional trauma she was experiencing. Uh, the doctors, uh, who were her care, who were caring for her at the time contacted the man who had been her therapist in the past. That man happened to be one Lawrence Pazder, MD, a therapist and devout Catholic from, uh, huh? <laughs> yep. I, I feel like. Those two things should be kept separate and weren't. That could be, Josh. That could very <laughs> I, well I don't be. know why I would think such a ludicrous thought. but for, So from what I have found, because the book is out of print and it is pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, That's one reason I was more than willing to let you have it. Yeah. I could not find it. No, it's hard to find. And it's hard to find any information about this, actually. So this is a little bit kind of a little bit of a mismatch between the very few reliable sources that I could find. Um, But from what I have found, the book never outright confirms that Dr. Pazder was using hypnosis in the sessions, but it does describe trance-like states and Michelle seeming to talk like a five-year-old version of herself. And when you are in a a hypnotic trance, which again, is hypnosis in the movies is bullshit. Yeah. Stage hypnosis hypnosis is kind of bullshit. Like, hypnosis, though, is a real thing that people do. It's basically a meditation trance that you get into in which you are very susceptible and suggestible. Mm-hmm. And it's I always like I love when uh, people will be like, I can't be hypnotized. I'm immune to hypnosis. Actually, everybody is because hypnosis is not real in the way that you think it's real. Yeah. And and in the way that it is real, no one is immune to hypnosis. The main thing about it is it is just a meditation technique. Yeah. You can learn to do it. (laughs) It's not that hard. Uh, It is for various reasons, obviously, person to person, but sure. you can learn it. Um, but when you are under hypnosis, you are very suggestible and your brain is on imagination mode. Uh-huh. These are two very important facts. Um, 
So Michelle described a nightmare in one of the early sessions and seeing and see me to take her dream about spiders as an omen, Dr. Lawrence apparently uh, begins using so-called recovered memory therapy to help Michelle discover the root cause of her trauma. This should be read as Dr. Lawrence spent basically leading the witness is what happened. Yeah. Like, you put her in a trance where she's very suggestible and imaginative, and then you ask her questions where the answer is not what actually happened. The answer is yes or no to the thing I just said. Uh-huh. It's I. You might get into it later. I don't want to josh you too hard here. But uh, it gets used currently, modern day, in a lot of uh, what are basically scams. Yep. Um, particularly with, like, aliens, uh, pin and teller. Mm-hmm. Uh, have that show Bullshit yep. that they did a long time ago. They sure do. <clears throat> and uh, they did a whole episode about uh, regressive hypnosis, and uh, it was being done in like a group therapy setting to help people uh, recover memories of uh, how they were abducted by aliens and impregnated by aliens. Mm-hmm. And it they show very well in that episode, which I don't have in the script or whatever, mm-hmm. but... I do remember that episode, and I think what they show in a couple different scenarios is that it really is just taking confirmation from a thing you don't actually remember that is somewhat plausible to your brain. Right. Like, I do get into like some examples in a little bit, but... Um, so what is recovered memory therapy? According to our good friend and somewhat reliable term definer, Wikipedia, <laughs> it is a catch-all term for a controversial and scientifically discredited form of psychotherapy that uses some unproven techniques to try and help people recall forgotten memories. Uh, some of those unproven techniques are drug-related. They use sure. the quote-unquote various types of truth serum like mm-hmm. to unlock your memories and shit. Now they tried to use LSD as a truth serum. That was why you ended up with actual military grade LSD. Yep. Like you, you've heard people mention maybe at some point military grade or weapons grade LSD real thing. Yep. Uh, now memory is definitely not a hundred percent accurate or no one would ever forget where their keys are or if the door was locked or not. And trauma does affect your ability to recall certain details of the time surrounding and including the trauma. Um, Your brain's job is to make you survive, and if suppressing a memory of an event will do that, it will do that. Um, Another excerpt from our mostly okay friend, Wikipedia, states that (laughs) a range of studies have concluded that at least 10% of physical and sexual abuse victims forget the abuse. Uh, The rate of delayed recall of many forms of traumatic experiences, including natural disasters, kidnapping, torture, etc., averages among studies at approximately 15%, with the highest rates resulting from child sexual abuse, military combat, and witnessing a family member get murdered. Mm. There are uh, links to what I pulled from Wikipedia. So I only pulled the stuff that I could verify came from like okay sources. Um, Cause it is Wikipedia are mostly okay. It friend. sure do be. <laughs> so um, a 1996 interview serve interview survey of seven, 
111 women reported that forgetting and later remembering childhood sexual abuse is not uncommon. More than a quarter of the respondents who reported abuse also reported forgetting the abuse for some period of time and then recalling it on their own. Of those who reported abuse, less than 2% reported that the recall of the abuse was assisted by a therapist or other professional. Um, this is the part where I'm going to say trigger warning, childhood sexual abuse. Um, I myself have experienced the phenomenon that's described here in actual trauma therapy, the thing where you forget certain details of the trauma and of the time in your life that was affected by said trauma is called dissociative amnesia. Uh, and it's strongly linked to trauma and also is not a total loss of memory. Um, so for example, I was molested by certain people that were trusted to be left alone with me from the ages of about seven to 12. Um, the exact dates are hard because obviously trauma and ADHD is a the bitch. exact thing that we're talking about right now. Uh-huh. Um, but when I talked to my therapist about it, it wasn't like I had remembered it whole cloth. Like I always knew what had happened. It just was that <clears throat> my relationship to those memories was that I had been taught by the people who did the things that it was normal. And even though I was uncomfortable that it was like, it was totally fine to keep it a secret, right? So I had that realization, and then I had to ask my therapist if it was real, that, I, that that's a thing your brain can do, and she had to confirm right. it for me. Um, it was real, by the way. It, you, it's, you have to do a lot of like work in sort of, it's hard. You got to force yourself to go, relive your trauma, basically, to kind of get through it, but... Right. Well, it's because it's when you're in a state where like you aren't a hundred percent sure that something that happened to you was real. Yeah. Or that it was real in a different way than you remember it. Yeah. For me, it was like I literally I remember the moment I realized that's what it was because right. in my head it was always people who had been abused. Right. You know, I always was like, oh, my bad memory is just ADHD. ADHD doesn't make your memory that fucking bad. And in fact, it does help certain aspects of your long term memory. But for certain people, it depends on your brain chemistry, but whatever. Um, it was more like I was just remembering some shit. And then I had this realization like, hey, holy fuck, that was like actually bad what happened. Right. Um, and I, it took us, you know, a, a few sessions to even get to the point where I was like, no, that, I think that really happened. Like that's right. You know, those memories aren't, they were just different. It was like a different context. Uh, it was like if you took a different filter and put it over the movie. Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. You put on score the, it to different music the, and the it Mexico changes filter it. when they go to Mexico and all of a sudden everything yeah. is like it has uh, guitars. Tent. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And it's got acoustic guitars and shit in the background. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like maracas. Yep. Um, it's uh, just rattlesnakes everywhere. Yeah. 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 Um, or if you go to the desert, everybody has on those like head wrap turban things. Uh huh. And there are always. Always a thousand camels just across there's, the there's camels around and they're like doing that thing with their mouth, you know, chewing could. Yep. And then there's um the tumbleweeds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's Texas specifically. Though. At least a couple. <clears throat> so um, if you wanted to dig a little bit deeper, 
you would find a woman by the name of Elizabeth Loftus. Um, she was a woman who, among others, has concluded that implanting a false memory is possible. Some of those others are Penn and Teller on that episode of Bullshit, where they yeah. convinced a guy that he uh, had really, really wanted a very specific model of bike when he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but that model of bike literally didn't exist, I think, until after he was grown. Right. So they kind of, you know, they tricked him. Basically. Well, it's, so you see that happen a lot with uh, people's memories of where they were during 9-11. It sure did, Josh. Um, I didn't put it in the script, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> because in my head, I know this cannot be true. Uh-huh. Because I was in third grade. And we had a TV in the classroom, <coughs> but we never watched the news. Sure. But... In my head, I remember the footage that you all know of the second plane hitting the yes. tower. I remember that being in the corner of that room playing. I know it's not real because we were outside when that happened. Like, mm -hmm. just the timeline of events. We They got the news that the tower had been hit, the first one. They literally, we did like an evacuation, quote-unquote, drill. Yeah. And they called our parents. Because they didn't want anybody, you know, inside of a building that they thought might possibly, you know, I don't know why they thought schools, but like, whatever. Um, so what they did, we, we were outside on like the playground. And then when I got home that night would have been the first chance I had to see that footage. Yeah. But in my head, I remember it as we were watching the footage, everybody freaked out and then we ran outside. That's not what had to have happened. But so, that's what my brain tells me happened. I actually do have really good memory of mine. Um, I was... So I had a babysitter, uh, like a regular babysitter when I was a kid. And uh, I don't remember specifically if my mom was still there talking to uh, my babysitter in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. But I remember that my babysitter was in the kitchen. I was sitting on the floor in the living room. Um, and... Uh, I should have been in kindergarten. I was five. Mm -hmm. uh, in I was five when nine eleven happened. Yeah, I had just turned five. My birthday's in August. Because my birthday was in August, they gave me the option of starting kindergarten, basically like at four years old, mm -hmm. and turning five, like in the very beginning of kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't in school yet. Um, my mom chose to wait the extra year. Mm -hmm. to put me in kindergarten. So um, I was there at my babysitter's house. The news was on the TV, and I did actually see that footage. When I don't remember if it was replayed or if they were just covering it. Um, I think it had to have been replayed. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, it had to be because they didn't have a camera on. But uh, I remember yelling into the kitchen, somebody flew a plane into the Twin Towers. Yeah. And that was that was it. Yep. That's more happened after that. It's, I think whoever was in the kitchen was like, "Oh yeah, that's crazy." And then I I don't remember what happened, but probably the second one happened, and uh, yeah, everyone freaked out. I remember the. I so I what how I know that my memory is not correct on that is because I remember being confused as to why we were going home early. Yeah. And if I had seen that, I would have known. You know what I mean? Right. But I was confused. I did not know why we were leaving early if this 
some they some emergency was happening right and we were leaving and i didn't know why so i know that i had to have seen that footage later yeah but anyway um it is possible to implant a false memory uh, and in fact you can do it to yourself without trying very hard at all uh you can make yourself remember being lost like in a mall or something when you were a kid or convince yourself that you saw bugs bunny at disneyland despite the fact that bugs bunny is owned by warner brothers um, who is owned by AT&T. You can even make yourself believe that you locked your front door when you didn't. Yeah, I do that shit all the time. Anytime I cook, I'm going to have to go back to the kitchen 15 minutes later and just double check Just double check that I turned that stove off. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, because ADHD will not let me stop thinking about it, uh, 9-11 is directly responsible for the publishing of Fifty Shades of Grey, and if you stay till the end of the episode, I'll tell you why. Yep, yep. <laughs> You'll have to remember that, because I think I know... I, I think you do, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, anything on a much larger scale than that is where you hit the big controversies and debates about whether people are lying, recalling a memory, or relaying a false memory. Um, the one thing that all these researchers and psychologists do seem to agree on, however, is that your memory is basically constantly being changed and updated every time you recall something. Um, it's basically uh, like details will change or fade slightly while the parts you reinforce will stay more vivid for longer, regardless of whether the memory is true or not. So it's like memories are stories you tell yourself to, to basically anchor yourself in time yeah and your brain will repeatedly tell those stories to you over and over again every time you remember something Mm -hmm. um but you can test this really easily did you ever go on a family trip and do something that you remember from being a kid or a teen that you thought was either very fun or very not fun Call your family. Call your cousin who was there with you and ask them what they think happened. Uh-huh. Don't describe what you think happened. Ask them what they think happened. Yeah. And you'll get a different story. It'll be similar enough that you can kind of piece together like, oh, this thing, this is actually how it went you down. You can be sure that certain major events <clears throat> happened by like cross-referencing. Exactly. But-, but details change because your brain, your personality and brain are going to remember it differently. Literally. The finer the detail, the more different the the story will be from different perspectives. Yeah. If the detail is like, we were in a car crash once uh-huh. that happened. But if the detail was, Oh, and then we got out and uh, you know, this thing happened and, and then this thing happened and then this thing happened. I was on the passenger side of the back seat and you were on the driver's yeah. side of the back seat. It doesn't or, work like in a novel where you get three pages of backstory for right. the crash that's happening. It, it was a Beamer that we hit driven by, uh, in, elderly uh white guy yeah um so this brings us back to michelle and her memories in 1976 michelle smith formerly or her maiden name was uh proby or proby p-r-o-b-y um which one of the articles that i pulled from calls her michelle proby so i had to google like what the hell is that about Uh uh-huh turns out it's just her maiden name heard um, so in 1976, Michelle, Michelle Smith suffered a miscarriage and as a result was experiencing some very justifiable nightmares and depression symptoms. Uh, Lawrence Pazder, her previous therapist who reportedly was her therapist who helped her through some family stuff a few years prior mm-hmm. in the early seventies, he was called in to help. 
And in one of their sessions, Pazda reports that Michelle told him about a dream where spiders burst from like a lesion on her hand. And as okay. their sessions continued, Michelle recounts more so- more stories about the satanic nature of her upbringing. Um, apparently, also one of the early sessions that convinced uh, Doctor Lawrence that uh, she had some, um, like basically lost or repressed memory, was apparently one time she fell to screaming. She basically had a screaming fit and started babbling like a five year old. For about 25 minutes. And so he thought, we should do hypnosis. So over the next 14 months, Dr. Pazder and Michelle Smith did many intense sessions where Michelle, more than probably under the effects of hypnosis, would recall, quote-unquote, the abuses she had undergone. Um, Michelle would speak like a child and described being given up willingly by her mother to be groomed for satanic ritual purposes... Um, she describes like a rebirthing party where a group of people, or excuse me, she describes a party where a group of people beat a woman to death with clubs, like an orgy type party. Mm. Um, she spoke about a man named Malachi who either tried to cover up a murder or tried to kill Michelle herself by putting the body of a woman who he had killed previously into the front seat of a car and sending it to crash on a highway. And this is all happening in Canada. So he had sent I forgot this... it was Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, later, she alleges that this Malachi forced her to eat the ashes of the dead woman, either after she survived the crash or saw it happen. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Um, she also describes her mother giving, giving her up to a cult and them doing a weird... A bizarre, like, rebirth ritual, which I think I'm about to describe here. So, her stories did progressively get more and more paranormal and less believable as the sessions went on. I'm interested in hearing about the rebirthing ritual, because I might have a a tangentially related case. She remembers being kidnapped by a Victoria-based satanic cult uh, and having bizarre rituals performed. Um, the rebirthing ritual. She describes being given up willingly by her mother, uh-huh. uh, throwing her into an open grave um, ah. in the city's historical cemetery and having cats sacrificed around her while strange people danced uh, around her while one of them licked her. Um, she stated that she had also had horns and a tail grafted onto her head and spine um, okay. by a satanic doctor. Betting that didn't happen. For sure. And ultimately, the Virgin Mary herself appeared to save young Michelle from the Satanists. Ah. Yeah, again, I'm sure the the therapist's Catholic background had nothing to do with any of this. Um, So there is a a vaguely similar, just because you mentioned a rebirthing ritual. Um, I learned about this. Yes. Yeah. Through Petscop. Yeah. absolutely wild story it's and i i learned about it through i i had heard of petscop through other like arg uh channels mm-hmm. and stuff on like youtube forums and shit but i like actually learned most of what i know about it through the the map pat video yeah about petscop uh game theory um i i don't want to get too deep into it but as he was describing it i had missed the part where he said that it was a real story and i was like jesus it's like fucked up that somebody even wrote this yeah no that... and then i i caught on that it was an actual thing 
that happened. Uh, yeah. It's a girl was being adopted by a woman who was an abusive maniac of a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of her being adopted by her, they were rebirthing her as this woman's new child. Mm-hmm. And part of their rebirthing ritual is that she was put, she was wrapped up in a ton of blankets and had multiple full-grown adults sitting on top of her. They George fluted her. Yeah, and she was supposed to crawl out from under these blankets, thus being rebirthed as uh, this adoptive mother's child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, she suffocated and died because she had the weight of several adults on top of a eight-year-old something girl young. very young six or eight something like yeah that. um but yeah she that video was like he was kind of pulling a game theory based on that real story and the similarities in petscop which later it's not that but uh no petscop is fully confirmed to be is it really yes i didn't know that part yeah no uh multiple times they use real names throughout yeah no we have, might have to watch the last... I'm going to have to look that up, because as far as I can remember, it was never... Again, as far as I... The last time I looked anything about it up, it wasn't confirmed that that story was the inspiration for it or anything. Multiple dates are used in conjunction with... Uh, multiple names are used, like the same last name, which was very specific. It wasn't like a super common last name. Because he does... Is that the only one you've seen of him? His Petscop videos? I think so. Oh, there's a lot more. But I'll because the, the series keeps going on and it turns into something even crazier than that. Gotcha. But more fictional. Right. Yeah, no, though, it is, uh, as, as far as I know, it is specifically uh, inspired by that story. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <clears throat> so, um, none of the stories or allegations that she put forward could be verified. So, for example, like... Uh, she had said that some of the satanic priests had to pull an Assassin's Creed, basically, and cut off one of their fingers. Nice. But uh, nobody else can remember there being a whole bunch of priests walking around in Canada with no fucking fingers. I would think the one with the horns and the tail being grafted onto her body would be easy to disprove. No scars. Yep, exactly. But that's because of the Virgin Mary. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right, the Virgin Mary saved I forgot that. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. don't forget. Because magic is real. Mm-hmm. Deus ex machina. Uh-huh. Deus ex mariana. Mariana. That's it, Mary ex machina. <laughs> um, the Virgin ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> that's her fucking Dark Souls name. <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to start a new Elden Ring playthrough. It's just going to be called Virgin ex machina. Shit. Um, and in fact, Michelle's father, Jack Proby, came forward to deny all of the allegations against Michelle's mother, Virginia Proby, who had died in 1964. Ah! Yeah, that makes that a little fucking more difficult, doesn't it? That's about 16 years before the book was published, just for, for the record. Um, and about 10 years after this stuff had happened. Supposedly Supposedly happened, happened yeah. right. Um, the book also fails to mention that Michelle's two sisters, both of whom, uh, uh, excuse me, Mich- the book fails to mention that Michelle has two sisters, one older, one younger, both of whom do not corroborate any of her stories. Mm, imagine that. Can't believe it, right? No. It's almost like she's making it up. It's almost like, a- well, she's being manipulated into making it up. True. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one other very important little detail that the book fails to mention was that Dr. Pazder, uh, a devout Catholic, and Michelle Smith had both divorced their spouses and married each other. This is... I'm unclear on exactly when this took place, but I'm willing to bet it started during these incredibly long and particularly intense sessions that they oh. were doing. Uh, it is worth remembering here that Lawrence Pazder was a Catholic and that divorce is and was looked down upon in the Catholic Church. Dating and then marrying a client also uh, is frowned pretty deeply upon by most therapists. That's lose your license. That's literally, that's an ethics board situation. Yeah. This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. Uh, but more of the... More of these stories continue to be debunked and disproven, so how did this book somehow spark a new, very old moral panic? Well, in short... Uh, People are lemmings. Kind of. <laughs> um, the films like Rosemary's Baby in 1967 and books like The Satan Seller in 1972... Oh, fucking Mike Warnke. Stoke oh, the public's imagination. Was that Mike Warnke? Satan Seller was Mike Warnke. Oh, we never did get we into Mike, Mike Warnke. We even, he was in one of the ads. Yeah. Fuck, I might have to write something about Mike Warnke. That's up to you. Um, it's a, the series just got longer again. Uh-huh. <laughs> we could literally talk about it forever. Oh, yeah. Like, I'd rather not. I, I don't want to either. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, so done. Um, stoked by uh, the, these films and books similar to these, uh, like The Exorcist in the 70s, um, stoked the public's imagination of latent Satanists well before Michelle recounted her tales to Lawrence Pazder, or because of him. Mm. Um, pop culture had already created the public mythology of Satanism, but it was Michelle Remembers that launched it into the real world. Uh, because uh, Pazder was incredibly charming. And he and Michelle went on to speak across the country about their book, thus spreading their ideas. And with a sudden uptick in legal cases involving alleged satanic activity, Pazder was asked to give his opinion as an expert in satanic ritual abuse in many cases, uh, which he did a number of times, including the McMartin preschool trial. Which I believe Josh is working on for a future episode. Well, yes. he's planning to work on it. He'll wait till two days before it's due. Uh, no, what I will wait until the night before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to write a two-part episode. It's I will be awake until uh, six or seven o'clock in the morning, cramming the script and the majority of the research in. Because I, I will idly research it yeah. uh, in the weeks leading up to, uh, which I've already started doing. Okay. But uh, I will not start writing it until the night before, and I'll panic about it. <laughs> yeah, yesterday Satanic? sucked. Satanic? Yeah. <laughs> yesterday yes, Yesterday was bad. <laughs> I, I, and I, the whole time, I was like, I could have avoided this. It did take <laughs> me over four hours to do Pazuzu. But it turns out, if you don't have medication for ADHD, you can't. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, I can't wait till my insurance kicks in. 
Same. I'm going to fucking finally get medicated. God. That's going to be awesome. I hope. You both, I'm sure you both qualify for medical. Oh. Oh, yeah, but I live in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're fucked. Not for too much longer, hopefully. Uh, The book's popularity also seemed to be part of the reason that the FBI was getting an increased number of reports from people who were supposedly victimized by these widespread and rampant cult activities. Uh, It didn't seem to matter too much that people were not going missing at nearly the rate that would have been required for even a few of these stories to be real. Yeah. Uh, It did not seem to matter that none of the people who came forward about these alleged abuse stories bore any signs of the physical damage they claimed to have been done. No, they they never do, right? Because with Mike Warnke, uh, fuck it, I'll just I'll insert everything that matters about Mike Warnke uh, right here and now during this episode. Um, he claimed to have met Charles Manson, uh, but the time that he claimed to have met Charles Manson was like two years after he was arrested and in prison. No, nobody cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> He kept saying that he met Charles Manson. He kept telling the story on stage, and no, nobody fact-checked that. No, nobody cared. It just went on as normal. Yep. It, okay, Mike Warnke met Charles Manson two years after he was arrested. Yeah. Um, it's also, that's the same thing that happened here. Like, the these two people, they took their book about how regressive memory is not only real but that um this woman remembers like it's weird to me that the stories that she ended up telling just confirm lawrence pastor's beliefs oh yeah you know what i mean um it doesn't say whether michelle was a catholic or not before they got married but um you know anyway um (laughs) Uh, the irony here is that this is an era that was suddenly devoted to the idea of believing the children. Uh, the irony, which is that therapists and investigators often didn't believe the children. Yeah. Uh, many children implicated in cases like the McMartin preschool trial, which are collectively called daycare cases, uh, told them multiple times that nothing bad had happened before they eventually relented to intensive cajoling. Right, I was going to say, they they didn't believe the children until the children said what they wanted to believe already, and then they told everyone else, look, the children said it, you have to believe them. Yeah. And, like, obviously, it's not impossible that some of the daycare cases are based on legit claims, but they... One of the downsides of the satanic panic, of any moral panic, is that legitimate issues get overlooked yeah. because you are panicking about something that doesn't exist or that exists in such a way that it really doesn't fucking bother anybody, mm-hmm. such as Satanism, like, or such as being black or a I was going to say, Satanism is the prime example of that. People assume that it's this evil, horrific thing, but like, look at the Satanic Temple. They're just uh, political activists. Yep. That's all it is. Uh, they do it through the guise of Satanism, but that's more or less just a, a way that they found to turn 
evangelical uh bullfuckery bullfuckery against them yeah exactly well it's you know it, they they took all the stuff that uh they get away with under the scope of religious freedom and they they turned that rule against them they're like well no you you get to do it for christianity now we're doing it for satanism right so we get to and you can't really bitch about it yep cuz you you've already defended this right and the ultimate irony this the article that i pulled from has this little excerpt here the ultimate irony of the satanic abuse panic is that the world that as the world sought out a shadowy religious cult devoted to abusing children, they overlooked an actual worldwide institution that was covering up child sex abuse at the highest echelons of power. And it wasn't the Satanists. It was the church that Dr. Lawrence Pazder was a part of, right. the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it really took... I've said it before, I'll say it again. Be careful, because you might become the thing that you fear. You might yeah. become the evil that you're trying to prevent. And that is a prime example to me. Like, yes, it's a punchline now, but like... Right. The Catholic Church literally moving... Like, do, they're doing... The police took cues from the fucking Vatican on how to protect their members. Yeah. Do you understand? Like, they're taking literal sex offenders and they're moving them to different countries or different regions of the country they're in just so that they can avoid consequences for doing the horrible shit they do. Yep. And I think that's fucked up regardless of whether it's Catholics doing it or corporations or whoever. It's all fucked. Um, maybe stop doing that. Maybe get it the fuck together. Maybe if you feel the need to molest a child, take a ball-peen hammer and smash yourself in the nuts. But that's just me. Well, whatever. You do you, boo. Just don't do kids. That's, that's yeah, yeah, there you go. That's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, uh, so there's actually, I read an interesting uh, Bo Burnham interview uh, that was on a podcast where uh, he was talking about the idea that there is no such thing as free will. But not in the way that a lot of people think about it, right? So the way Bo thinks about it is that uh, there is no such thing as free will because almost everything that you ever do in your life is predetermined not by some magical power or the universe spiritually, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's determined by your brain chemistry. I mean, that's one way to look at it, sure. It's one way to look at it, but uh, the guy who he's... Uh, who's interviewing him on the podcast or whatever. He's like, I have a bit that I do about this all the time where I'm like, thank God I wasn't born attracted to kids because he puts that down to brain chemistry as well. And I mean, to a certain extent, that's not wrong. Yeah. Like it is a fucked up wiring in your brain mm -hmm. often due to trauma. It, yeah. Um, but it's not, and, you know, the another thing that is kind of fucked up is that if you go try to get help for it, even if you haven't done a crime, they have to report you to the police. Yeah. So Which, uh... That's kind of fucked up. It's also maybe not the worst thing in the world, because... I disagree, because it discourages people from getting the help that they that's need. That's true. And because you don't have to do that yeah. if somebody is like... I, it's 
it's similar to like if you're going in for these thoughts that you're having about children and violence toward them, they have to put you on a list. But if you go in talking about, I kind of want to kill my mom sometimes, they don't have to say shit. Right. So like that's a little bit of a double standard. Like I get it. I do. It's children. So you want to be extra sure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if somebody wants to go get help, you should not make it public. Like it's AA. Like you shouldn't. If somebody's trying to get help for an issue that's private, that they have not done a crime mm. or have not harmed anyone, like they just kind of realize one day, like, oh shit, maybe it's kind of fucked up that I still think these young people are that attractive. Like, I need right. to go get help. That should be acceptable. That should, because you can get help for well, it. And so I was listening to a YouTube video about this from a YouTuber that I no longer listen to because she started doing some fuck shit. Um, she was talking about different spaces that exist online yeah. because like you said, uh, it's, if, if you try to get help for that exact thing on in, literally in real life for the rest of your life, they're, they're going to put you on a list. Yeah. So there's, uh, communities of people who call themselves, I think not non-offending pedophiles, mm-hmm. um, which I get it. It makes me feel fucking icky, too. Yeah, it's... But at the same time... It's a fucking landmine to navigate. Exactly. For fucking sure. Like, all I'm saying is that people who want to get help should be able to get help without being actually, legally, socially shunned for the rest of their lives for this problem that they want to fix. Now, there are also spaces online where people are proudly... Yeah, fucking pedophilic. <laughs> that and got discussed you in the video too. Dead. Th- those, those are the people that need to be burned at the stake. <laughs> like, probably literally. fuck off with that. Yeah. Go get help. Be put on that list. Probably. Yeah, it, was, it was kind of a nauseating video to listen to. It's bad, man. It sucks because, like, yeah, brain chemistry does a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you think you need help, you should be able to go get it. And that's my only point. You know, it's the same stigma with like any other mental health issue that people think makes you weak or gross or weird and will shun you for it. If they made it public, would you have gone to get the help? Probably not. Yeah. You know, and that's my only point. Definitely not advocating for the removal of the list, though. No, 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 no. It's useful. It's, I actually love living uh, here because we are right next to a school, which means that I can guarantee that there are no pedophiles within a thousand feet of this area. Yep. Um, we got here just because I wanted to talk about a Bo Burnham interview that I saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gave me an in. So just some of the things that were debunked were, um, like I said, Jack Proby came forth. Her sisters were like, nah. Um, they also, a pastor apparently did not try to involve the police in any investigations. Um, the police were like, hey, there should have been... It, crimes of this scale don't leave no evidence. No. Uh, which, there was no evidence. Uh, the authors of a 1995 book found no newspaper record of the car crash that the book's book described with the dead woman. Uh-huh. Um, 
despite the fact that the local newspaper reported on all the vehicle accidents at the time. Right. Um, like, they interviewed neighbors, teachers, friends, family members. They They truly were unable to find anyone who knew Smith during the 1950s who could corroborate any of the details in her accusations, her allegations, excuse me. The thing that I think is important to remember, too, about the Satanic Panic and this specific part of it, which is this led, this book led directly to every false memory or recovered memory trial you have ever heard about. Yeah. Um, And and it was all bullshit. It was all bullshit. And it was a lot of times people taking advantage of children who are even more suggestible than a person who's already under hypnosis. Yeah. um, And just really doing terrible shit. And that's the therapists and psychologists who are across North America who began using similar techniques to this recovered memory therapy in their work as well, leading to more people coming forward. Um about the satanic activity that was destroying the very foundation of of the nation and its people. Of our good Christian nation. Um, that some is of these, absolutely Christian and absolutely does not not have an official religion. Establishment clause. I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> uh, some of these therapists and psychologists were obviously using their new this new type of quote-unquote therapy for greed or control or what we now call clout chasing. Um but, you know, some of them may have even been trying to help people, actually. But the result was many cases, many legal cases of places getting shut down, people losing yeah. their jobs, their homes, sometimes their freedom, even though that was a lot rarer than you think it was. It did happen. Um, over these allegations... Well, that's why the McMartin trial is such a standout. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that they... they they got a conviction off that one, right? No. 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 No, they didn't end up ending up being able to get a conviction out of McMartin okay. trials, but it gotcha. was close. Jesus. It's, I mean, you know, it it went all the way to trial. Yeah. That happened a lot. Yeah. That happened a lot. Um, and while many of those cases, like I said, led to acquittals or they got dropped, too many of them still led to innocent people being put in prisons for crimes that not only... That they didn't commit, but that no one could have committed. Yeah. Like crimes that didn't happen, even. Yep. You know? Um, And all of them shared many of the same problems we touched on in our West Memphis 3 episode with just cops that have decided that you're guilty and they will Mm -hmm. fucking make up anything to put you away. So, I mean, it really, it's, it's just that Michelle Remembers led a number of people to seek similar quote-unquote treatment and encourage therapists and psychologists to adopt some of these quote-unquote therapy techniques used by Dr. Pazder, which led to more and more people having false memories created, Mm -hmm. which very quickly began to spiral out of control with these people accusing people, getting people arrested, getting places shut down, like I said. And that, that even today, like when I was a kid... I remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, n- local news like Jack's fucking four action news or whatever talking about, oh, is there a possible satanic cult in this yeah. daycare? Like, 
they still do that. Mm-hmm. Fucking Pizzagate happened in modern times. Yeah. Um, which we will get to that. And and it yeah. really, it really was because of Doctor Pazder and Michelle who, or Doctor Pazder who, with the help of his former client, then wife, I won't let you forget that that was happening. Uh, took their ideas and a moral panic across actually two countries, the U.S. and Canada, uh, which led to the satanic panic as we have lived it. Like, the the 80s was, that's why I said earlier, this very new but super old panic. We talked about the Salem witch trials. Like, we as humans seem to crave an enemy like that. I was going to say, uh, that's why Nazism happened, yeah. right? Is because uh, people were given a massive common enemy, a fight that they can fight <laughs> together. Yeah. Everybody wants that. Yeah. Everybody does. That That's why I think the best thing that could ever happen for uh, the unification of all of humanity would be to be invaded by aliens. Aliens that aren't too technologically superior to us, at least in weapons technology. Yeah. Yep. Or even if they were uh, slightly superior, but like we still had a chance. Yeah, guerrilla warfare works, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's, yeah, that's not, Nazism is a great example of another time. Fascism in general. Yeah. Uh, Being given a common enemy to rally against uh, will get people hype it's it's why uh conspiracy theory cults like QAnon also work hey even now QAnon and flat earthers and parents who are too scared of brown (laughs) people to realize they're harming themselves and their children with draconian book bannings and other shitty political moves are still scared of the influence of secret secret cabals full of evil baby killing devil worshiping characters of people and that's what I've got for the for the Michelle Remembers book. It was basically just a book that uh, a doctor helped make up. Right. And that led to an actual panic for like 20 years. I, uh, when we started, or long before we started this whole thing, I actually got a book of essays about the satanic panic that I used. Uh, and had I thought about it, there was a whole essay about Michelle remembers I should have given that to you but uh in the in the article or in the essay there's pictures and there was a picture of one of their sessions where literally it looked like they were laying in bed together yeah mm-hmm. so yeah the fucking cover of the book is like him facing this way and her with just like half her face sort of leaning out, looking over his shoulder, and they are definitely close enough to touch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's it's yeah, um, super gross. No, that's the so the good news is that by nineteen the, by the nineties, um, studies were concluding that like a minimum of seventy percent of abuse allegations obtained under hypnosis had zero basis in reality even when the memories weren't explicitly satanic. Um, it's not really good news because people's lives were still ruined anyways. It was still ruined, but at least we fucking got there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
this is a fun thing that I did not mention, but I feel like I should, is that um, false false repressed memories are linked not only to the satanic panic, but also to alien abduction. Yeah. That's what the the Penn and Teller episode was about. Yep. So it is is a thing that happens often. People can convince themselves and others that some truly crazy shit happened. Now... Mm -hmm. That kind of hinges on the, your willingness or ability to believe such things. Like for me, with my level of skepticism, you're never going to convince me that I was abducted by aliens because I don't fucking believe in aliens. Like I believe in the concept that there are other life forms in the universe. I don't oh. believe. Did you bite your tongue? Ow. <laughs> but I don't believe in alien The devil invaders. made you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the same way that I don't believe in ghosts and, and angels and demons. It's just not a thing that I am capable of believing. Right. You know, I can believe in, like, the concept of it. I can believe in metaphorical representations of things. But I just don't believe in stuff that that's, that's that outlandish. Outlandish. Goodness. Uh, it sounds like you did a, a big bite, bud. I hope you leave that in. What, that long silence, or? No, the part where I started to talk and then bit my tongue really, really hard. Yeah, what were you going to say? I was going to say the truth is out there. The truth is out there. <laughs> I hope it was worth it. It no. wasn't. It wasn't at all. You told people that they had to get to the end of the episode for you to explain something. Oh, I've I did. already forgotten what it was. Uh, how, how 9-11, uh, it was directly responsible for the publishing of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, so as a treat. Uh, I'm going to explain this in the most bare bones terms that I possibly can. I just remembered can. it. Yeah. Uh, so the direct line. Yeah. Uh, fuck. What's his name? The lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Chester something. Ben. No, no that's, that's Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Gerard, Gerard Way. Way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Gerard Way uh, saw the towers fall right. in New York on 9-11. Um, and he was then inspired to uh, start My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance heavily inspired uh, the writing of Twilight. Mm. And as a lot of people know, Twilight... Uh, inspired fan fiction written by stephanie meyer who then or, no, e. L. no sorry uh e. L. james yeah e. L. whoever e. the fuck uh fan fiction was created for twilight which would later become 50 shades of gray yeah i don't remember the through line i'll have to do it next week but seven of nine from star trek mm-hmm. is directly responsible for trump being president Oh, really? Yeah, but I, I don't remember the through line. I'll have to find it again. I'm going to talk about I'm a Googling butterfly effect. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, you... Oh, no, this is... Theory suggests that low viewing... What? Theory suggests that low viewing figures for Star Trek Voyager led to Obama becoming president. Oh, yeah, maybe it was Obama. Sorry. What? <laughs> Hold on. This is a wild but very convincing theory that the low viewing figures for Voyager. Oh, I think I may have seen this one. Yeah. And it's hey, all thanks to Jerry Ryan. 
who played Seven of Nine. Ryan would be cast as Seven of Nine, a former Borg drone that joined the Federation to as a foil to Captain Janeway. Unfortunately for Ryan, the demands of shooting a major television show such as Voyager put a strain on her marriage to her husband, Jack Ryan, who in March 2004 won the Republican primary to face Barack Obama in the Illinois Senate election. The couple got divorced in 99, but the details of which weren't made public until 2004 when Ryan had already secured the Republican candidacy. Now, this is where things get interesting. Uh... And we would like to point you in the direction of the of Reddit and the r slash ask Reddit thread, where and where a question about domino effects has pulled up a fascinating story about Obama's link to Star Trek. Um, Voyager was not as well received as previous Star Trek series. In '97, producers decided to add a new character in an attempt to boost ratings. Jerry Ryan was brought into play Seven of Nine. Uh, Jerry's frequent separations from her husband, Jack Ryan, due to her acting schedule, contributed to her, their decision to divorce in 99. In 04, Jack Ryan became the Republican nominee for an open Senate seat in Illinois. During the campaign, the pre- proceedings from Ryan's divorce became public and contained details of a sex life that did not make him look good. Oof. The scandal forced Ryan to drop out of the Senate race in July, leaving the GOP time to only find token opposition to Democratic nominee Barack Obama. Obama's landslide victory in the Senate race helped launch him onto the national stage, allowing him to pull off an upset victory in the 2008 Democratic primary and win the presidential election. Wow. But that still makes leads to Trump because Trump was a direct reaction to to having Obama. It's every president will be the exact polar opposite of the last president. If that's the case, our next president should be four years old and... Fucking competent as all hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, that's one what can you'd like to think. Nope. It'll probably be another loud, stupid, angry Republican. It'll be fucking the guy in Florida. Anyway, uh, shut the fuck up. God damn. Fucking god. Fucking shit. Anyway, he's been Don. Yes. Your daddy Don. I've been Daddy Dom with a sex dungeon. Uh, I think that was maybe last time. That was last episode. I've been the memory you repressed of the time you peed yourself in second grade. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Be good to yourselves. Thanks for coming to Shout out the plant babies. If you're still listening, tell us how the plant babies are. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I thought we were waiting on something. (laughs) Anyway, bye. Bye. Bye.